for ages. The idea of evil has captivated people and confounded both psychologists and philosophers. It is not just a word for bad things, but a deep and nuanced idea that touches on every aspect of human life and permeates every aspect of civilization, from politics to religion. Welcome to the 13th episode of Season 1 of Lively Live Life, a podcast by the Information Institute that explains the science behind everyday phenomena. Today's episode is I'm Evil. Three of the many theories offered by psychologists to explain why evil develops in human beings are listed here. For example, the well-known obedience experiment by Stanley Milgram, carried out in the 1960s, showed that people might be persuaded to carry out immoral actions by an authoritative figure. This experiment demonstrated the influence of contextual factors and compliance, shedding light on how common people might behave badly when given the correct circumstances. The phrase, the banality of evil, was also created by the philosopher Hannah Arendt, who saw the trial of Adolf Eichmann, one of the main perpetrators of the Holocaust. She maintained that people who are not psychopaths can nevertheless do terrible things in the usual course of their lives. Rather, such action is frequently the result of a lack of critical thinking, a tendency to comply, and deference to authoritarian people. Last but not least, Henry Tachfeld's social identification theory proposed that people classify others and themselves into groups, which promotes bias against outsiders and in-group favoritism. When people believe that someone belongs to an evil outgroup, they could defend damaging behavior directed at them. Since evil goes beyond simple moral transgression, its definition is still a philosophical conundrum. Throughout history, philosophers have put out a variety of theories, but two prominent viewpoints, moral relativism and moral absolutism, stand out. The basic idea of moral absolutism is evil as a universal, objective concept. According to this viewpoint, some behaviors are intrinsically bad, independent of contextual or cultural influences. This viewpoint is supported by philosophers like Immanuel Kant, who contends that deeds like lying or murder are intrinsically bad and can never be justified. Naturally, there are lots of issues with this inflexible worldview. For example, in the event that person A kills person B, is person A bad? Although the majority of people will concur that A is at fault, not everyone shares this opinion. But let's say that person A killed person B in retaliation for person B killing person C, who was a close relative of person A. Right now, who is the one at fault? What if person B accidentally killed person C? The moral absolutism perspective on evil holds that, in all cases, A and B are both in wrong for murdering B and C respectively. To allow for some flexibility in distinguishing between evil and good, philosophers have devised another school of thought, moral relativism. Moral relativists posit that evil is a subjective, culturally influenced concept. Evil is not a fixed set of actions, but rather a matter of perspective. Cultural, historical, and societal contexts shape what is considered evil in different settings. This perspective acknowledges that what one society deems evil might not be seen the same way in another. 
philosophers who study the philosophy of evil not only address these two broad categories, but also the controversial issue of whether any particular action can ever be morally justified. Philosophers have presented a variety of viewpoints in this debate. A moral principle known as the doctrine of double effect permits some actions to be justified when they have both positive and negative effects. In a medical setting, for instance, a physician may give a treatment that causes pain or suffering if it ultimately ends in the patient's survival. This idea permits a nuanced analysis of deeds, recognizing that deeds may not always be evil, despite their potential for unintended negative effects. Moreover, Immanuel Kant's renowned deontological ethics emphasized that certain deeds are inherently bad, regardless of the repercussions. According to Kant's categorical imperative, people must behave in accordance with universally applied moral standards. According to this viewpoint, certain behaviors, like lying or murder, are morally repugnant and there is a difficult moral conundrum that must be resolved in order to justify them. Finally, Aristotle's virtue ethics emphasizes the cultivation of virtue-based personal qualities. This viewpoint emphasizes that morally upright people will choose morally righteous actions. Although virtue ethics does not offer a clear way to excuse bad deeds, it does highlight the importance of developing virtue in order to stop evilness. In conclusion, the psychology and philosophy of evil continue to be important and developing fields of study that pose challenges to our conceptions of morality and human nature. Philosophers continue to debate moral relativism and moral absolutism, two prominent schools of thought, and offer a variety of ethical frameworks and principles to address the nuanced nature of evil. More moral conundrums are raised by the question of whether evil deeds are ever morally acceptable. It maintains philosophers' constant conversation as they work to understand the complex and evasive nature of evil.